We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It is great to be back for another week. Tons to talk about in MMA and boxing on this show. We're going to recap UFC 261. We're going to talk about Anthony Pettis' debut in the PFL. We're going to recap the weekend in boxing, including Berlanga ending his streak of first-round knockouts, and then preview the Andy Ruiz pay-per-view. You heard me right pay-per-view coming up this weekend so plenty of action there 
But Dre, we have to start off this this opening segment and try to balance it out. We have one fun topic, one sad topic. I'm going to give you the sad topic first. Hip hop continues to just lose people who are so important to the culture. This time, Shock G passes away. And to me, it seemed out of the blue. And it's one of those things where it's like, damn, man, like another case of we should really give people their flowers while they're here. Yeah. They, you know, I saw somebody uh, on social media. First of all, recipe Shock G, Humpty Hump. Um, I was a big Digital Underground fan. You strike me as a big Digital Underground fan. I love, man, you know, early on when I was a kid, I was like, yo, I can't, like, Shock G and Humpty Humpty, they're the same guy? Like, (laughs) he was the original, like, dual personality in hip-hop. And when when he passed, he was 57, again, young. um, No information on how he passed away. And... uh, it did come out of the blue. And it's strange, man. Death comes in three. So we lost Black Rob, we lost DMX, we lost Shock G in a month. That should be it, hopefully. Nobody else should die. But I saw, you know, All Hip Hop, my man Chuck Creekburn over at All Hip Hop, they posted about Shock G being a legend. And somebody was like, oh, y'all always, when somebody dies, you just want to, you know, do things. And, and, and I get what somebody was trying to say, but let's be honest, man. There's so much going on. There's so much noise in the world. You know, a lot of us that always respected Shock G and Digital Underground, you don't just walk around giving people flowers on like some random day in, in April. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, that's not how these things work. But you know what, like if, if uh, Rakim were to pass tomorrow, let's just say, God forbid, Rakim passes. And yes, obviously he's a legend, but ain't nobody talking about Rakim right now. Because that's yeah. just not how the world works. There's a lot of things going on. So I get when people say, you know, give people their flowers now, but it, it's it's hard because they, they ain't nothing like it's not like shock was in the mix at the moment. Um, so with that being said, like this, there's a duality of this because I've seen people ask, is Black Rob a legend? And I'm like, no. Whoa, think, it's legendary. <laughs> yeah, I think Black Rob is a very dope rapper. Um, and that's not, and I hate when people do this because it's like, just because I say he's not like, a legend it's like we're really we're really um watering down the concept of what a legend is just because you die doesn't make you a legend yeah. you can be a very dope rapper who had an impact on the industry but we got to make that legend list very short shock g is a legend because digital underground changed the game for a lot of people in a time where especially in the early 90s where hip-hop was very serious it was taking itself very serious at the time you had this Shock G, Humpty Hump, Money B. You had that crew come in, same song, Humpty Dance, Do What You Like. It was fun. They were from the Bay. And Shock G was blending, like, as a producer, extraordinarily underrated. Shock G produced one of my favorite songs of all time, which is So Many Tears by Tupac. Also produced I Get Around, which is also one of my favorite songs of all time. Oh, so good. It's the first song I listened to after his passing. Yeah, it's like... These are two things that Shock produced. But Shock was this wasn't at a time where hip hop was like, oh, well, who produced this song? No, it was just what Shock was doing. And he was blending funk with hip hop. Like my favorite digital underground song is Kiss You Back. I love that song. I've always loved that song. <laughs> it's it was a song Kiss like you back. Man, Sex Ooh. Packets, like these the the things that Digital Underground did, the things that Shock G produced and 
the funk and everything that he did, like I was like nothing but trouble. I saw a clip of that the other day, which is a weird fucking movie, but Shock G's in it. Like he gave so much of the game, but was so understated as both an MC and a producer that kids today really don't know who Shock G is, but they've heard I get around. They've heard so many tears. Like I'm a Murray's fan. I loved Risky Business off the end of the beginning album. Yeah. Shock has always been around and that man has changed the game so there's no question to me that he's like i mean come on man the humpty dance who wasn't doing the humpty dance people still do the humpty dance to this day people get on the dance floor and do the humpty dance getting busy in the burger king bathroom like that is still a legendary <laughs> lyric just like you know girl with lemonade like humpty and burger king bathrooms it's the same thing man it's, it's that man is a legend, and it's unfortunate that, you know, we don't know what happened to Shock. Uh, it sucks for his family. I know people that were friends with Shock, and they're all torn up about it. Uh, but nobody's really talking, and sometimes it's better that way. You know, MF Doom passed, and he passed in, like, October, and nobody knew until the new year. Yep. Which is kind of, you know, if, if something happens to me, unfortunately, I have this podcast, so I guess you guys will figure it out sooner or later if I don't show up for a month. But... <laughs> I prefer it that way. I don't want people all up in my business. If something was going on with, with Shaq, I'm glad that it happened in privacy where people can start speculating and rumors and all this shit. Like when you want to be out the scene, you want to be out the scene. Um, it's crazy though, because when you looked at Shaq, he always looked so young and youthful. Granted, yeah. you know, he, he had gray hair, but my man looked young. That black didn't crack. It's purposely so, gray, kind of. Yeah, you know, I don't know, man. Shaq. It's rest in peace, Shaq D. The man was a legend. It's unfortunate that, you know, we lost a third uh, person in hip hop in less than 30 days. But, I, you know, I hope it's over. It's just, it's, it's also scary because black men dying under 60, it's like, man, oh, take care young. of yourselves. You yeah. know, take care of yourselves, man. I, I don't know what's happening. I mean, obviously DMX lived a hard life. Black Rob, he lived a hard life, had kidney issues, had four strokes. Don't know what happened to Shaq G, but, you know, it makes me want to, you know, check my health like I, i'm gonna go to the doctor because i just want to make sure everything is good because that shit is scary word i mean shout out to my last doctor's visit everything's good with me but like you just you never know um yeah you just you never know and then these people are gone and it's just like damn like yo that the lasting impact um my dad called me when he found out the news, he was like, yo, our boy died. I was like, yeah, shock G. Like me and my dad are like, <laughs> my dad tells the story all the time because he's a weirdo. But when I was like one or two years old, um, I was one of the kids who like never liked having their pamper on. So I was just like habitually nude, right? Like from not all the way, but I would Donald Duck it all the time. So I'm just running around just company over whatever like my pamper would be off I'm just running around bare ass so my dad would always like laugh he'd be like grab him in the biscuits <laughs> like make me run like fake pinching my butt when I was like one two years old so uh he was like oh that's Shaq G he's like yo this one boy he's like I always loved that life for Shaq G and I used to chase you around tease you with that and I was like a running joke forever and then now he's like yo shachi is gone and i was like yeah it's crazy that like we have this little inside joke for now 32 years about to be 33 my birthday's coming up and shachi has no clue but like that little line that impact is something that bonds us as father and son 
And it's like, yo, you don't know how you impact someone's life. The smallest of things to the grand catalog that he has. So it's, it was crazy to hear. I was like, man, Shock G is gone. So yeah, hopefully, you know, this is the, the last and not just another in a, a line and a trend. Hopefully we kind of ease up, let our legends stick around a little more. Like let's, let's calm down, push it off. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my hope going forward for the next couple of months. Oh, oh, I got to say something because I, I can, I can feel our listeners breathing down our neck because I didn't mention this, but yes, yeah, obvious. Yes. There would be no Tupac if it wasn't for Shock G. Oh, right? of course. There's somebody listening right now is going, you didn't mention Tupac. Yes, you're absolutely right. If there was no same song, if there was no digital underground sex package tour, if there was no Humpty Dance, there would be no Tupac. If it wasn't for Shock G and Money B putting Tupac on, not just same song, go back and watch the old tour footage when Tupac's out there dancing with these gigantic overalls on looking crazy. (laughs) He's got the Gumby. Yes, that man brought y'all a legend, a legend. Because we, yes, Tupac is absolutely a legend. If it wasn't for Shock, Pac, we probably wouldn't know who Pac was. Those so, are always the craziest stories, right? Like, I and Tupac passed, so there's like all this on record footage of Shock talking about Tupac and him knowing how he had it and the greatness of Tupac way before anyone. Like, he, he gave him these spots, gave him the spot on you know, uh, on the song when Pac really hadn't proved anything till that day. So it's amazing to hear that story. But there's other guys, like, I always think of, like, we never necessarily got the Jay-Z story from Jazzo. Yeah. You know, like, because they kind of beefed, and then Jazzo really just doesn't talk about that shit. Like, these guys who find legends, and the legends are under their wing, and then the legends grow, and, and grow past that level. So it's it's always intriguing to me. So shock, you know, he, he had that eye for talent and he just knew what was cool. Like no one would think to pull off a fake pair of glasses and a giant nose. Like no one thinks like, yo, yeah, this is going to make me a star, but he didn't, he was just cool. He knew what was cool. Man's had an alter ego in hip hop, man. Before there was doom. <laughs> That's pro wrestling shit. <laughs> yeah. Before there was doom and Victor Vaughn and KMD before, like, NY Oil, you know, he was, you know, also part of, you know, the whole KMV click. But before all that, there was Shock G and Humpty Hump. And there was a there was a time, and I guarantee anybody, there was a time that you were like, are they the same person? Because they had a different cadence. You yeah. know, the, the Humpty glasses, and, you know, it wasn't on social media. So, at the time, I was one of those kids. I was like, yo, are you sure? Is, <laughs> they're two different people, for real? And then, you know, eventually I figured it out, but... I felt like an idiot. I was like, oh my God, it's the same guy. But I thought it was incredible. A, a rapper with an alter ego, a Humpty Hump. A, like, come on, man. That shit is incredible. Kayfabe is real, baby. Kayfabe is real. So, uh, yeah, you know, peace to Shot G's family. Um, everyone remaining grieving, you know, nothing but the best of wishes towards them. And uh, I figured we saved the, the good, happy, uplifting part of this segment for now and uh just wanted to nerd out real quick because two things that have been on my mind one i watched the mortal Kombat movie you probably haven't seen it yet we don't got to talk about the movie itself but i watched it and two we recently had mega ran on wrestling with stereotypes which everyone can see 
I believe starting probably when this is out. So Monday, same day as the podcast, you guys can watch Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. We have Mega Ran and we talked a bunch of cool video game and rap and, and nerd shit. So it had my mind on that level and watching the new Mortal Kombat, which you'll get around to it. You're a tough critic, whatever. But it has pretty decent reviews by people who watched it um, based on expectations. But it made me think, Dre, you're a nerd. You're a video game nerd from way back in the day. Which video games need movies? <sighs> all right. First of all, I started watching Mortal Kombat last night after UFC, but I, I tapped out. I, okay. I was tired. I was like, yo, I watched like I watched about an hour of it. And I was like, eh, it's all right. Um, yeah. All the reviews I've seen have either been people really love it or really hate it. So I'm going to finish it. I know what I'm getting into because I'm a video game nerd. So I'm like, yep. all right, I'm going to watch this. Um, but when it comes to video game movies, this is a really tough thing because for the most part, Hollywood fucks up the video game movie. Um, Correct. But for a long time, they fucked up the superhero movies too. So Yes. So eventually you feel like they'll get it right. Now, obviously, a, movie, uh, a game like Last of Us is going to have a series, so I can't mention that. But the one, the one video game that I've always sat there and was like, this should be a movie, was Metal Gear Solid. I've always wanted, Ooh. because, listen, the Solid Snake, like, I played all the Metal Gears. I played them for years. Where you had I've, to hide under the box and creep around. Love it. Love it. Oh, man. <laughs> love Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, Solid Snake, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, which has arguably, not even arguably, it is the best boss battle of all time. When Snake faces the boss in Metal Gear Solid 3, it, it, and I've played a lot of video games, it is the best boss battle in any video game I've ever played. In my life. No, Final Fantasy had some fucking wild boss battles. Man. Listen, Sephiroth was great, but I'm telling you, the <sighs> boss, when you face boss, like, first of all, the emotion of it, the song, the Snake Eater song that's playing, and the fact that you literally have to use everything at your disposal to beat your mentor is incredible like it's just incredible like i don't care people are gonna argue me somebody's gonna bring up psycho <laughs> madness from metal gear solid one which is fair because i remember spending all this time trying to figure out how to be psycho madness and then you had to pull the controller out and put it in port two so you couldn't read your mind it's also one of the greatest <laughs> <ball games. laughs> what you never like, played metal gear solid one I, I don't think i finished it i wasn't like a person that played video games all the way through back Bruh, then. like listen uh, listen you, I don't know. Face, Zelda Orc Arena time has probably the best final boss battle I've played. But I made it all the way today. It, it, it's, it's boss. But in Metal Gear Solid 1, you face Psycho Manus. And when you face Psycho Manus, he's telling you that he reads your mind and you can't beat him. Everything that you, and so you're trying to find him. You try to pull out your gun. He moves. Everything he does, he's got a, he's got a, a move for. Yeah. But if you go to your codex, he starts telling you what's on your memory card in your PlayStation. He's like, oh, I see you've been playing... And he'll like pick a game that's on your memory card. <laughs> you know, Kojima for Konami was incredible, incredible. at making games. <laughs> so he, like you go to the codex and Psychomanics would hack your codex and he would tell you what's on your memory card. So if you keep playing and you get pissed off after all, because it's like 20 <laughs> minutes because Metal Gear Solid also has these extraordinarily epic boss battles that take a very long time to complete. But this one in particular, you can't hit them. And you have to avoid getting hit. He's reading your mind. He's talking shit to you. And then about 30 minutes into it, you fit like, I can't remember how I figured this out. It kept mentioning like what I was doing on my controller. 
And I remember I was like, you know what? I unplugged my controller and put it in the controller two port. And he was like, what are you doing? And that's how you beat Psycho Manage. It is also <laughs> one of the greatest boss battles I've ever had in a video game. If you have never played Metal Gear Solid 1, find a way to play this game because it is incredible. That being said, this game needs a movie because the story is ridiculous. Ridiculous, right? From all the Metal Gear stories, like World War and all this stuff and espionage, but it just lends itself to great drama. And it's Kojima. If you get Kojima on a game, come on, man. It's going to be incredible. So Metal Gear Solid should absolutely be a game. Um, I wanted, like, Final Fantasy had a movie and it sucked. Yeah. I didn't really like it. The Spirits Within, yeah. I was disappointed. So I, I'm not necessarily sure, like, a live action Final Fantasy VII movie would work for me. Even though Final Fantasy VII is like the best of them all. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to see that. Um, see, I like the Prince of Persia movie more than most people. But I was a Prince yeah. of Persia nerd. Like, it could have been better. Like, yeah. see, at the time, could have been way better. Um, that, But that's still one that was like, okay, it was good enough. To me, fighting games make for amazing movies. So, I mean, I would love a Tekken movie. Oh, no, thank you. I, I think fighting games make the worst movies. The Street oh, Fighter God. movie sucked. It did, but that could have been good, too. I like the original Mortal Kombat movies, the, even better I, than this new one. I just liked it because of the fan service. But other than that, these they're really shitty movies. Like, to me, they've been really shitty movies. I want to see a great story. And unfortunately, like, The Last of Us is, like, the story to make. But I fighting games? Mm, no. I don't want to see... I don't want to see like a vir- uh, imagine a virtual fighting game movie. No, virtual fighter was wild. That was no, that was just <laughs> there. There was no no rhyme or reason to that. Tekken actually showed up and had like a super strong storyline, like right when you kick the game off, and the characters are so fucking dope. Like I, I loved Tekken's characters. Um, that's that's what I mean. See, I they- like to have like I like a Ninja Gaiden movie, right? Because I like. Fucking okay. karate flicks. No, Tenchu was, was my shit, by the way. It could yeah, be like, a Tenchu movie. Yeah, Tenchu I need another Tenchu game. You have to figure out, like, who are the best characters to make movies around? I guess yeah. that's the real question, because... They fucked up games. Super Mario Brothers. Like, how do you fuck oh up Super Mario God. Brothers? Like, if we're doing redos, I could take a redo of Super Mario Brothers. Now that we have better CGI and stuff. Yeah, I still think it'll suck. Because it's hard to figure out a plot line to these things, man. It's like... Playing a video game is one thing because you have all this time invested and ultimately you're just trying to get to the end of the game. But when you try to make it a story that makes sense, that's when you're just like, mm, this ain't it, Chief. This story is dumb. The Super Mario Brothers movie was terrible. It wasn't good. I'll take a Zelda. No, fuck it. Yeah, give me a Zelda movie. Zelda has great storylines. And that's pretty easy to, to transfer over. Like having someone as Link and then you're trying to say Princess Zelda. Like it, it's pretty you know, straightforward and laid out for you in the games. Yeah, I just don't know if it translates. I mean, it could be a dope movie. It has to be done right. Cause, like, they're making a Borderlands movie, and I love the Borderlands game. Oh, uh, Bioshock, which is also Bioshock one of my favorite Bioshock was games. good, yeah. Yeah, I just rebought it for Switch, and I'm going to play it again. Don't ask me why. It's just, <laughs> I play games over again for really no reason. But I think a Bioshock game would be dope. It, it couldn't really follow the beats of the original or any of the, the two sequels, but I think a Bioshock game would be. You're really big into, like, story games, though. Like, that's, that's yeah. your wave. I, I, they, I really get invested in a good narrative in a video game. Like, 
I was raised by like TV. So I like to sink myself into video games. So if it's a great immersive narrative, I'm all in. I play sports games, of course, but yo, I, I'm all in. You got to have a, a dope story. And in some games, I just got to see through to the end. Like Assassin's Creed, yo, yeah. that Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I know I sank like 80 hours in that fucking dumbass game for the, to, for the game to end the way that it did. Yo, I'm salty. <laughs> But the I'm gameplay so throughout was pretty good. Uh, Resident Evil has a good, a decent track record with movies. Nah. Silent See, Hill, I wasn't into. Silent Hill, that's another one. Like, nah, it's hard, man. Like, Red Dead Redemption could probably be a dope video game. Oh, that'd be an incredible movie. Yeah, they. Like, I mean, a video game movie. Yeah, like they could, they might be able to do that one right. But it, it's it's a roll of the dice, man. It's, it's really difficult. The only one I'll stand by is Metal Gear Solid because that could be a whole ass fucking James Bond espionage series like in the weapons and everything else. Like it, that would be, that's the one that I would pick. Everything else is, it's all risky. No, that's true. That's tough. I think it's been done well. Before we go to break then, what's your best video game to movie transition? <laughs> Since you're, because so far we've we've heard nothing but what has been pretty bad. Man, what's yours? Uh, oh, another one I was gonna say, but it has a series now is The Witcher. The Witcher is an amazing video game, but it has a series on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not going with a series because a series kind of yeah, cheats it out. Um, I really, and it's cheesy, and I understand that it's not like a great movie. Right. Like I can admit this, but it's a movie that I watch constantly, like at least once every two years. And the first Mortal Kombat movie that came out, I love that with Johnny Cage doing the split, um, hitting Goro in the nuts. And like Goro was way better in that one. He was like beastly and everything just looked great. Liu Kang was a badass in those movies. I love Liu Kang as the main character, as it should be. Can't just come around inventing characters to put into this like <laughs> oh that's ridiculous but luke king was dope sonia blade was dope in that one um the second one was okay but now nah, the first one was so dope kano was ominous and in and out of the boat you you had the the scene where scorpions in the forest just get over here and is going through the trees and like winding yo the him and johnny cage fight that was in the forest that shit was crazy um Shang Tsung actually taking people's souls and like Shang Tsung was scary like your soul is mine like that's come on like the, to me that's it that's that's number one and we can talk after that but the first Mortal Kombat is is the one I rock with um second which goes under radar is probably the original Tomb Raider Lara Croft um not the, the yeah. yeah, not the sequels, but seeing Angelina Jolie as Lara Croft, I was like, oh, this is it. I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. see, damn, movie video games suck. Like, <laughs> yeah, thinking, like, you didn't like Tomb Raider? Nah, not really, man. Like, I didn't like Tomb Raider. Obviously, I didn't like Super Mario Brothers. I didn't like Doom. I didn't watch Rampage. I thought it was crazy. Oh, I, I didn't, didn't watch I, that shit. Yeah. Like, I loved the video games as a kid because I just like to eat the people. I thought it was incredible. But to make a movie out of it, I was like, what are you doing? I think um, Cena's doing Duke Nukem now. See, Max Payne wasn't bad with Mark Wahlberg. That wasn't, that wasn't bad. Did it, it have wasn't... bullet time? I didn't even watch it. Yeah. But it, oh. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. So my favorite video game movie of all time isn't really, wasn't ever a video game. 
So this is kind of a cheat. And it's the wizard with Fred Savage that introduced Super Mario 3 like a year and a half before it came out. The whole movie was about Fred Savage like trying to get in this video game tournament and they previewed Super Mario Brothers 3 in the video game a whole year and a half before the goddamn video game came out. So imagine being a kid and you go to the movie theater to see the wizard and <laughs> I remember the ad on VHS and you're watching this thing and they do this tournament and at the end they're like oh this new Mario game now obviously Mario was king Nintendo was king back in the day because there was nothing else and you see this movie with Mario in a fucking tanuki suit which we didn't know what it was <laughs> at the time but you're a kid and you see Mario flying we all I'm marked out in the movie theater like I lost my shit and I used to get Nintendo power this this is like really telling of how into this shit I was they used to get my Nintendo power that was uncovered. They were like, Super Mario 3 coming out next year. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I got. I just saw this movie. And, and th- also, you have to remember, when movies came out in the theater, it took them like a year to hit the video store. It's not yeah. like today. Like you, a movie hits the theater and it's immediately like on demand. Like maybe even six weeks. That, back then, you had to wait a whole ass year. So I saw it in the theater and I was hyped. And I had to wait almost a year for it to come out on VHS to render that blockbuster. And then even still, I had to wait even longer for the game to come out. It was excruciating. <laughs> that was a cheat. That's, that's that my is cheat. a cheat answer. If that was the case, Wreck-It Ralph would have been my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph is so dope for a video. Yo, Zangief in Wreck-It Ralph, when they go to the Bad Guys Anonymous meeting, that shit <laughs> oh, is yeah. so funny. It's like, who would crush good guy's head like Sparrow Egg? <laughs> like it's in Keith, this fucking yo, he had me in tears. Oh man, but yeah, Wreck It Ralph is number one if we're cheating. So yeah, well, you threw. A- I mean, if we're really, if we're really cheating, the best video game movie ever is not a video game, but it is a video game now that I own on my Switch. It's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, but that's complete cheating. Yeah, that's a comic book. Comic first. book. Yeah, that's but complete. That, that is one movie that I will never not watch if it's on TV. No, the movie is incredible. Incredible. That's, yeah. that's a cheat. It's, it's that is not based on the video. Cheated around around the question. Let's hit the break so we can come back and talk combat sports. Um, first up, UFC and PFL. So don't go anywhere. Tons of MMA on the other side of this break. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just that quick, we are back, and it's time to talk about MMA. First up, before we get into UFC 261 and recap that card, Anthony Pettis made his PFL debut, and they messed up because they booked him in the first round. I guess it's not the tournament yet, right? Because everyone has fighting, um, fights throughout the summer. But they messed up and paired him with Clay Collar. The matchmakers must not be boxing fans. Because upsets are what Clay Collard does. That's all he did with ESPN over the summer. So he went in there, and Anthony Pettis thought it was sweet. 
to strike with Clay Collard, and Clay put the paws on him, dropped him twice, shots to the body to the head. Dre is Anthony Pettis washed. Yes, he was washed when I mean, listen. No, he just knocked out Wonder Boy two years ago. Two years ago. That's a long time, man. Yeah, that was a fluke. Not, I mean, he was getting beat around before he hit that Superman punch. It's it's kind of a wrap on Anthony Pettis' MMA career. He's, I <laughs> mean, collared. <laughs> boy, Clay. Hey, it, and it's crazy because once upon a time, Anthony Pettis was on a Wheaties box and Clay Collard was looking to, for a promotion that would let him fight. Yep. Because Clay Collard was in the UFC for a hot second, didn't make it really any noise. It just shows you how quickly things change. And they paired them in PFL, which is smart because it got people to watch. The production was great. I thought it was a pretty good show. Yeah, pretty um, good. But Collar gets the win. And, uh, yeah, Dana White sitting there going, ha, ha, ha. Because this is what <laughs> he does. He, he, You know, we talk about Dana all the time, and it's usually not nice. And uh, But the one thing he does very well is he knows kind of when to get rid of guys. Like, yeah. he knows He's like the Patriots. He'll get rid of you early. Instead yeah. of hanging on to you too late. He, he knows when it's time. And it was, it was time for Pettis. Uh, you know, it seems like Tyron Woodley's gone as well. They, I, went to, I did my rankings today and I was like, hey, he's not in my rankings anymore. So he's out of here. Oh, damn. Um, I didn't yeah, that. No formal announcement. Like, nobody noticed it. Like, uh, I think somebody mentioned it on social media. And being part of the rankings committee, I had a chance. I was doing my rankings after last night's card. And I went to Welterway and I noticed the spot was missing. And I had to see who it was. I was like, who's missing? And I looked and it was Tyron Woodley, who's been removed from the rankings. And if he's removed from the rankings, clearly he's been cut by the organization. Wow. So Woodley's gone. And you you go down the list. Uh, you know, sometimes it kind of backfires. Ryan Bader's been pretty damn good in Bellator. But for the most part, yeah. like Benson Henderson, you know, you go down the list of guys, they are not the same. And Pettis, he showed up. PFL used them smart as a name. They're like, oh, we got a name, former champion. I mean, think about this. Once upon a time, the super fight to make was Anthony Pettis versus Josie Aldo. Yep. And never happened. Nope. Never no more. He got ran over by RDA, was never the same again. So he got beat up by Clay Collard. And good for Clay. That momentum helps and especially helps for his return back to boxing whenever that is. Good for him. Pettis, we'll see. I'm, I don't think he's like completely done. He's not totally washed. He'll win some fights still, but he'll never be the Anthony Pettis with the Showtime kick. That was like no. a decade ago, which is crazy. It is, but I mean, the guy's still only like 30. Hey, man. Like mileage. he hit the wall early. But I mean, a lot, of, a lot of mileage, a lot of mileage on Anthony Pettis. But uh, that brings us to UFC 261. We won't start in the main event. We'll work our way up uh, the main card. Let me make sure nothing in the prelims that I really have to talk about. Um, no, I mean, Alex Oliveira lost. There's really nothing to talk about but the fact that we had fans at the Star Memorial Arena. And that, cra- that crowd was hot. And listen, I'm going I'm to preface it with this. It was unnerving to see how many people were not wearing masks. Like, to see all those people and just like, yeah, like yelling at each other. I was like, yo, this is crazy. I'd never be a part of this. Tom Brady but, in there. Just... Yeah. But I will say that crowd was electric. And that is kind of dope to see fans with the energy. I just would never be part of any of that shit. Like, I've, I'm resigned to the notion that I'm cool on all of this. And if that's what they want to do in Florida, cool. When they come to Vegas, it's going to be a different story. Because I'm be very, 
I don't think I'm covering the McGregor Poirier card. I'm full disclosure. I just booked a vacation for that week. Um, uh, I guess we'll talk about this later. I didn't even put it on a rundown, but Ryan Garcia um, withdrew from his fight that week. Yeah. And it opened up a pocket in my summer schedule. And I was like, oh, I'm out. I'm going to Cancun. Uh, so, no, I won't be covering the Conor McGregor fight. At least not from the States. I might be covering it poolside from Cancun. Yeah, I mean, that for me, I've gotten so used to watching fights from home, and I'm kind of comfortable here. So the idea of being in an arena with, you know, T-Mobile holds, what, what almost 20,000 people yep. that don't have to wear a mask, yelling and screaming and carrying on, and the idea that I'd be part of media, and I'm like, Nah, I don't think I'm gonna do that. I don't think I'm ready for that. Even if I'm vaccinated, mm, uh uh-uh. uh. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. So, why that go- my first fight with fans will be at the Virgin Hotel, looks like. Um, so, it's not like an abundance of fans. It's a smaller arena. And I'm still gonna be masked up, vaccinated and all. I'm fully vaccinated. I don't even care. Yeah. So, the, the only thing on the prelims that I remember, I was like, man, this crowd is live. Like, these yep. people are on fire. And then at the same time, I'm looking at the crowd, and I was like, yeah, they don't look like me. So I'm like, yeah, because I tweeted it, and I was like, yo, this is kind of unnerving. And it's crazy because, you know, I cover boxing, MMA, pro wrestling. You know, I do politics on Twitter and talk all that shit. MMA is the one thing that I tweet about that these these hardcore UFC Dana White MAGA fans, they seek me out. Oh, and yeah. they flood my mentions. They're like, they turn the TV off then, you fucking cupcake. And I'm like, yo. Like, <laughs> I'll do a cupcake. <laughs> man, I get called all kinds of shit. And I was just like, yo, I'm not going to be there. Like, I'm still, you don't have to watch the fight. I never said I wasn't going to watch the fight. I'm just saying that it's weird that it just feels strange to see all these people with no mask. It's still a pandemic. Like, people still getting sick. Maybe it's not killing everybody, right? Like, that's not happening. Everybody's not dying. Some people are, though. Yep. I prefer, like, and I've said this, from the moment the pandemic started, I don't want to get sick. The idea of getting very sick is not fun to me. So it's no. like, if I can avoid it, and I know that there's something out there that's making people very sick, I'm cool. I'm very cool on that. And your man Dana was like, yo, the media made COVID. No, no, the media didn't. The media didn't make COVID. Did he say COVID? that? Yeah, he blamed the media. He's like, the media was crazy about COVID. That's why the UFC had to take all these precautions. Now, there's two things here. One, no, it's, it's not the media. It's COVID was real. But two, MMA media was only on Dana's head that first month and a half when Dana was persistent in trying to make sure the Khabib-Ferguson fight happened in April when nobody knew what was going on with this pandemic. Yep. He was trying to make that shit happen. He tried to take it to fucking Tai Chi Palace. He was determined to do it. And that's when the media was on his head. I was like, dude, you don't even know what the hell this pandemic is. It wasn't even called a pandemic. It was a virus that was killing people. And he was like, ah, I'm good. I'm just going to make. That's when the media was like, nah, man. After that, the apex, media wasn't on them like that. They were like, all right, cool. That's what you want to do. Yep. You know, if, you, if you're putting people in a bubble and you're doing taking all these precautions, there's no fans here, fine. Media really didn't give them shit after that. But it was that first month and a half where Dan was like, Khabib and Tony is going to happen. And everybody was like, no, it's not. And Disney, your employer, was like, listen, fool, shut it down. Yeah. Cut it out. That That's fair. That media wasn't crazy. Disney was crazy. Disney told you to cut <laughs> that shit out. We had some common sense. They're like, yo, if we, we got to close down Disney World, 
you got to sh- shut down yeah, shop for a second. Like, like, listen, you ain't big in the Disney world, my man. Dan is um, crazy <laughs> with that. So that that's the one thing. Like, watching the prelims, the prelims were decent. There was a lot of energy in the crowd. And I was like, it's kind of cool to see fans here. I just don't oh, – yeah. I can't be part of this. No, and uh, listen, they may not look like you and I from – you know, just close up the eye test, but they were young and demographic. And, um, you know, it, that's made me feel, I guess, if I could feel a little bit better about it, is like, listen, if a bunch of young people want to go out there and risk their life, like you do whatever you want if you're young. If, if you get sick, that's on you. It was my biggest problem from the start was you're passing this to people who cannot physically take care of themselves or help themselves. Right. You're passing it to the elderly, to the people who are sick, to the cancer stricken, to, you know, people just trying to go pick up their groceries with their children. And a mother of five is, is now immunocompromised and got a quarantine from their kids for two weeks and can't go to work. And like, you're, you're fucking up lives that are not yours. Cause you just don't care. Cause you're allegedly young and healthy. Even though now we've seen like with Kamaya, he's like throwing, he threw up blood and stuff. Who knows if his lungs will ever be the same. I don't want to do that either. But if you're worth risking that, cool. So now that vaccinations have rolled out, not that that's the end all be all, but vaccinations have rolled out, the elderly, the sick, all of them were first. Now, if the young people don't want to get vaccinated, at at this point, even if you're an elderly person, you don't want to get vaccinated, you think it's a microchip or, you know, they're implanting you. Listen, you've had the chance for three months. God bless. Take whatever risk you want. My, all of my grandparents are vaccinated. My entire household is down to my stepdaughter who's 18. Like I am not playing games. So all my people are vaccinated. I'm trying to keep them alive. Vaya con Dios. Like do, do whatever you got to do, yo. So 15,000 in there. I hope all 15,000 are with us a month from now. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. And if not, you know, they, they knew the risk. <laughs> Group chat inside joke, you know, the rates. You like so, if, you're, if you're ready to risk it, then it is what it is. Um, let's talk about the card itself then, because the energy in the building definitely picked up for the main card. And we had coming out Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute fighting, which I, I thought was a good matchup. It was a good first round, but unfortunately, it ends due to injury. Um, Crute cannot continue. Jimmy Smith picks up the TKO victory. I kind of want to see them run this back sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, Cruz's leg was shot. One leg kick. Like, he was the one land leg kick. Smith was using the jab. Cruz eats one leg kick. His leg just dies on him. Just completely, like, just said, fuck it. His leg was, I'm cool. I'm out. Um, I'd like to see him run it back, too. I th- don't think we learned a lot. I feel like it was shaping up to be a really good fight. Uh, the leg kicks versus jabs. Cruz is very good. Um and it's just crazy. One leg kick. A single leg. The first leg kick Anthony Smith landed did that damage to his leg. And you wonder, they haven't mentioned anything else about it, but how bad is it? It's not, you know, he was like, it's just a nerve. Mm, I don't know, man. You get kicked in the leg like that and your leg just dies on you. I don't know if it's just like a little nerve thing that just comes back. You know, that could be a, a little bit more of a serious injury. But either way, it set the tone for a night where no fight made it past the midpoint of the second round. Wow, none of them? No, this was 
Look, I tweeted it. The the card, the entire length of the cage time on the card was 19 minutes and 56 seconds total on the main card. That's a fun night. Like, that, is, <laughs> that is the, I think it's the, uh, in the Zoof era, it's the shortest MMA UFC pay-per-view of all time in the Zoof era. In prior to like the dark era, I think 32 had a shorter card. I think UFC 32 was like 17 minutes. Um, and then before that, the all heavyweight card, I think it was UFC 146, ended up being 26 minutes. But this had three, five, this in the five round title fight era, this is absolutely the shortest pay per view card. Because this entire card had a cage time that was shorter than one title fight. Yo, that's so wild. 56 seconds. 19 minutes and 56 seconds of cage action. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of them ended in a lot more spectacular fashion than with this opening match. But yeah, I want to see that run back. Um, the second fight, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Another one, hard to watch, right? This is a matchup, and we talked about this. Um, you know, we talked about this coming into the fight last week. It was like, yo, this is a fight that could happen 10 years ago. These are two guys when Chris Wyman beat Anderson Silva were like, yo, these guys are the future. And then Uriah Hall was supposed to be that guy. And then it was like, yo, they just never met. And then we're finally getting this fight. Um, they've actually fought once, I think, before they got to the UFC in New Jersey. Yeah, it was so, Hall's first loss. Yep. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, we are getting somewhere. Like, this is a matchup MMA fans have wanted to see. And then it's weird because, like, deja vu all over again or Groundhog's Day. Like, this time, Chris Weidman throws a kick and his whole leg snaps. And it's exactly the same placement of Anderson Silva's when he did it to Chris Weidman. And it's scary to see this happen to the guy. When he was eight years ago looking across at one of the greatest fighters of all time, watching him go through it. Crazy. I, I mean... MMA guys, like, what the fuck? Like, this, you're ruthless, MMA guys. Why Why would you do this to him? Like, Chris Weidman, you're right. He checked Anderson Silva's leg kick. I, were you there for that? Were you in, in the building? I was in the building. I cringed. Yeah, it sounded like a shotgun, the way that thing snapped. And I remember watching it and just being, like, disgusted. And then, you know, they showed the replay, like, four times. Like, what are you doing? Like, stop showing the replay. I don't need to see this. Oh no, Dana tweeted it out. I was like, come on, man. So yeah, so the but in this fight, the first kick that Weidman throws breaks his leg. And everybody's seen it by now. And you know, it's again, his career could be over. And Silva obviously came back. He actually won a couple fights. Yep. Um, but Chris Weidman, he's 36, former champion. It was like, you know, I tweeted in tongue-in-cheek, it was like, winner go to Bellator. That's the kind of fight this was. And, you know, you break your leg on the first kick, and then, he, you know, he tried to step on it. Oof. I mean, this was, this was tough to watch. But my big thing is what you just mentioned. Dana White tweets, you're right, Hall, first fighter to win a fight without landing a strike. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> is that what we're doing right now? Is that is that what's important? Like we just watched a man's leg snap like spaghetti, like dry spaghetti, just snap. The only thing that kept it together 
was the flesh around the shin bone. Otherwise, this thing would have been in like the first row or would have hit the, the cage. Yeah. And the first thing that you can think of to tweet is that Uriah Hall just won a fight without landing a strike. Nah, man, you got to be a little bit more sensitive than that. But it's Dana White. Like, what do we expect, right? Like, what the man called the Las Vegas Review Journal a piece of shit because <laughs> basically wrote Adam Hill. Which Shout out to my guy, Adam Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Good Adam on basically wrote a story that kind of outlined what's on the back of the, the tickets that says, basically, if you go to a fight, you have an opportunity to contract COVID and we're not responsible for you dying. And he that's what the article was about. But Dana didn't like that. Said, Fuck the review journal. They're a piece of shit. Blah, blah, blah. So I can't expect somebody who does that and underpays their fighters and all this other bullshit to care about your former champion snapping his leg in a career-threatening injury. It was in bad taste. Um, Uriah Hall handled it like a champ. And in a strange way, I wondered when this happened because we all know that Uriah Hall his deficiency in, in the octagon are not physical. They've always been mental. He couldn't pull the trigger. Whatever it was, we've always looked at your eye. I was like, what's wrong with him? And I didn't know, like, you you face an opponent that you haven't seen in over a decade. And you know it's kind of like do or die. And he's a former champion. And he breaks his leg fighting you. I was wondering how that was going to affect your eye hall. And he handled it like a champ. I don't know what he's like at home right now. I have no idea. Man, that's just you don't want to see that happen to anybody. And that's no. just that's just that, that's a horrible injury. Yeah, man, it was ugly. It was uh on the Anderson Silver one, I remember him shrieking in the ring. Yeah. And that was because you know, from our distance of being on the floor trying to look into the cage, you don't get that really good angle anyway. Like you could tell he's like down there holding his leg. It was but like his shrieks like Two or three of them, I was like, God, that's just, it sounds horrible. So, like, Weidman, man, I could imagine being a building. I mean, some people were in the building for both. So, nah, it's just, yeah, man, it's it's something that's very hard to watch. So, speedy recovery to him, 17 seconds into that fight. Wow. And then uh, we get to the three title fights. First up, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. I mean, no one's beating Bullet. No one. Um, if it's at 135, I'm not sure if Amanda's being like that. You're splitting hairs. And that's the best compliment I could give Shevchenko. Because I thought Shevchenko won the first fight, the three round fight, and Amanda won the five. Um, so, damn, she's just too good everywhere. Jessica and Josh thought she could bully her, put her against the cage, uh, toss her around, take her to the ground. And every time Shevchenko reversed it, it was like, what? Get out of here, little girl. Bye. And just slammed her. And I was like, you shouldn't be this skilled and then that strong. No one in that division has an answer for her. No one. This was, um, this, this level of domination, seven takedowns in two rounds. I don't know if Andrade really even lands a strike. And Shevchenko's big at flyweight because, you know, she was small as a bantamweight. And Andrade was big as a strawweight and kind of smaller. She's more regular size as a flyweight. But you look at these two in the cage, you just look at skill and the way that Shevchenko closed the distance and the way that Shevchenko carved her up with strikes. There was a moment where she took her down, got her, got up, threw a head kick, and Drage pulled back, and she fired a three-punch uh, combo and then scored another takedown towards the end of the first round. I was like, yo, 
ain't nobody beating this woman. <laughs> you just you're not. She's she's she. If there was an MMA version of the Avengers, she would be Black Widow. We get Scarlett Johansson the fuck out of here. Yeah, because the way that 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 she fights, the way that she moves. I mean, obviously the the dancing at the end of every fight, the way that she decides, like the way she talks her shit, right? Like she's she's everything the Black Widow is in the Avengers in a cage. Yep. She went in there and beat Andrade at her own game and embarrassed her. And then after the fight was like, you bitches think I got a weakness? <laughs> like you can try <laughs> me if you want to. And the sweetest thing about it all was like, Joe Rogan says, you know, so anybody can come get some, right? And she's like, what? Like, she's like, I don't, you know, English is my first language. I speak like four of them, but what are you talking about? But she goes, like, oh, yeah, yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all can come get some. Because dead ass, ain't nobody. She cut half the promo in Spanish. Yeah, ain't like, nobody. <laughs> she's incredible. Bullet is not being beat by any woman in the flyweight division. It's, no. it's just not happening. You look at the, you look at the, the makeup of that division, what she's done to just about everybody else already. Jessica I, I mean, you know, Jennifer Maya, who she kind of toyed with and draws, you know, Joanna tried. Like, there's nobody that's beaten this woman. She's that good. She is, if pound for pound lists included men and women, she's easily top five. You know, a lot of people think yeah. this is the best fighter on the planet, regardless of gender. Chef Chango's not too far behind that because she's embarrassing people at this point. And yep. Andrade is a former champion. Let's not forget, she slammed Rose Diamond Eunice to hell. Yep. You know, and, and, won, and lost a split decision, moved up, killed Caitlin Chukagian's ribs, earned her spot, and everybody was like, yeah, she can give Chef Chango a hard time. She was like, no, she can't. What the fuck y'all talking about? <laughs> not even and, close. And dragged her, crucifixed her, and pummeled her. And at the end, like, Andrade was like, I, I couldn't do nothing with her. I just I had nothing for her. She's that good. That is one woman. I don't know what you do with her. If you let her run through everyone. Don't, don't. She's she's too small for bantamweight, and that's the only reason why she lost to Amanda Nunes. She was just too small. Yep. Skill wise, she's the best in the world. But that's what pound for pound means. Like she could beat any other bantamweight. Like if Nunes decides to retire, Shevchenko would be a two division champion. Easy. Yeah. She'd be a three if you wanted. <laughs> and she'd be very small at 145, and I'm taking her to win. She don't care. It's like she beat the shit out of Jermaine Durand. Like, she, yep. she is that damn good. And it's frightening now that Dana has to figure out who to put in the octagon with her next that makes us think maybe they could beat her. Because even with Amanda, right, Amanda Nunez has fought people like Cyborg, and we're like, man, it's going to be a hell of a fight. And then she beats them up, right? Mm-hmm. Cyborg, Holly Holm, Jermaine Durand Shevchenko, you put somebody in there with her, and you're like, they ain't got no chance to hell. No. They have a shot. They're cooked. Yeah, it's going to be tough on their next opponent. To me, it's always been the only person I could give her a tough test is now, I'm, I'm, I don't know, she may never fight again. And that was always Tatiana Suarez. Yeah. Like, I, and that I level she- of wrestling and combo of skills was always like, oh, that's intriguing. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure if Tatiana fights. I don't, I don't know. And even then, Shevchenko looks at that fight like food. She's like, oh, you think you think she can wrestle me? <laughs> like, that's how good she is. Tatiana yeah. Suarez is no striking. Like, Shevchenko would, would test the water and be like, oh, let's see how your wrestling is. And then be like, if she's strong, she's like, all right, I'm just going to beat you up now. 
Yeah, it's I tough. That girl. She's, she's that good. I don't know. Then we have the women's straw weights. Um, title match goes a minute 18. Thug Rose Navayunas catches Wei Li Zhang with a kick to the jaw. That was set up perfectly because Wei Li Zhang thinks it's a, a leg kick. And you actually see her like throw her legs back to get out of the way of the leg kick. And it just comes right up and hits her right in the mouth. And it's it's over. Wei Li had no clue where she was at. Only a second loss of her career. Stunned. And Rose, crazy uh, video of her like right before the fight started, just chanting over and over, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. And then went out there and got the belt. Um, Rose is very likable. She could be very likable. Um, she had the persona where you always wanted to root for her. The comments before the fight really made me made it hard for me to be like, oh man, I'm glad she won or she deserves this. It just, something is throws me off about Rose, but it's more stuff around her where I'm, I still give her a sliver of benefit of the doubt. I just feel like maybe she's very impressionable and sometimes repeat shit that she hears that she doesn't necessarily understand. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I might be giving her an out. I don't want to give her an out, but that's just what it feels like to me. Rose Namajunas, when she was on the ultimate fighter, uh, if anybody watched this season, you knew she was a little bit different. And like she cut her hair because she didn't want to really be sexualized. And if yeah. that was her decision or past decision, I don't know whose decision it was. But that you always knew if you watched that season of the Ultimate Fighter where she was on there, she loses to Carlos Stars in the final, but you knew something was up with her. Like she wasn't always all all the way there. There was always something else tugging at her. And you wanted her to win. And Rose is one of those people that I've said on the show a million times. Like she was a layup in terms of marketability. Because she had all everything going, like she was a great fighter. She had the look. She didn't. She was a very unassuming champion, even when she beat Joanna. She didn't look like you. If you put her in a Maybelline commercial, people were like she's a fighter. She didn't look like a fighter, but she could fight her ass off. Now I, I'm gonna go back. Mm, this is a few years ago, and Rose is supposed to come backstage to do an interview, a UFC fight. And they called a few of us media members like, hey, come back here. Rose is going to come talk. Rose comes back. She sits down. And she's looking at the floor. And I think it was me, Mark Rimaldi, and I can't remember who else was there. And I'm like, something ain't right. And she's like not really answering questions. And she keeps looking outside the room. Pat Barry's like outside the room. And I think I want to see Trevor Whitman was there as well, but I can't remember. And eventually she just gets up and leaves. Like, she just, in the middle of a question, she's like, I can't do it, guys. I'm sorry. And she's, like, teary-eyed. And I'm like, it's just something's not right with her. So she, something's never been right with Rose. Something mental, like, we'll talk about Ryan Garcia in a minute. Fighters deal with mental health issues. She clearly has some kind of issues that are not resolved. And it affects her. Some fights, she's all the way in. Some fights, she's all the way out. But when she's all the way in, like she was with the Zhang fight, she might be one of the best... I mean, she's number three pound for pound when it comes to women. Yeah. Because who else can beat her? She just beat Welly Zhang. She beat Joanna and Jacek. Um, There's nobody else in that division right now. She she beat Andrade. She made good on the rematch. And she was yeah. piecing up Andrade in the first fight before she got slammed on her head. I mean, I'd like to see her run it back with Whaley. Because I yeah, think no, maybe she, she it, should. it's a toss-up fight. But outside of that... um, 
I, I'm not sure. It when she's on, who's beating? Yeah, you got to have a very particular set of skills. I mean, <laughs> to beat her. Uh, to me, it's almost like you have to catch her on a bad day to beat her. Because when she's on, you're not beating her. Because if you look at the Zhang fight, she was in a zone. And when she's in a zone, she's fluid. And when she's fluid, you don't know what's coming. She beat Njaychuk with a left hook. She beat Zhang with a high kick. She killed Michelle Watterson with a high kick as well. And none of them see it coming because Rose knows how to hide her strikes. When she's in her zone, nobody's beating her. Nobody's beating her. But you don't know when she's going to be in that zone. You don't know if she's going to want to deal with the pressure of being champion again. You just don't know. And it's, it's Rose is going to have a very interesting story. And her old comments about Lithuania and Chinese communism, which caused a lot of the Florida fans to boo Whaley, which was utterly ridiculous. I can't believe yeah. we still live in a country that chants USA to people that are not white. Right? It's so stupid. But the fact that she said that, it did turn me off. And it makes me think, like, well, who's in her ear? Because it didn't feel like something that Rose would say. It felt like something that somebody around her gassed her up with to give her motivation for the fight. Because even after the fight, she was like, I love all people, all this stuff. Because, I mean, for a lot of us, I was like, yo, is Rose black? But she's like Lithuanian. And it's like, all right, she's like the Kardashian. She's got, she's got, a, she's a foreign. She has, like, foreign accents, but they look black. But when she said that about Wei Zhang, I was like, mm, that ain't it, Chief. And I didn't want to r- run her over, like, you know, on, on social media or write an article about it because I just feel like it's not her. It's, yeah. It, it's not her at all. I don't know where it's coming from, but it needs to be fixed. But she's the champ. She's the two-time strawweight champion. You can't take that away from her. But she's going to be one of the more intriguing stories when her career wraps up, when we try to figure out who was Rose Nam and Eunice? I don't, I don't think any of us know. I don't even think she knows. And that scares me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it could change by the day. So, it, like you said, it is. It's, it's scary. But when she's on, she's scary. <laughs> like, again, it's, you mentioned it. Very few can stay with her. Mackenzie Dern's not ready yet. But she might be, like, fifth in the rankings here soon. Yeah, that's interesting because on the feet, Mackenzie could not stay with her by no stretch of the imagination. But if it touches the floor for any reason, it gets real interesting. Oh, definitely. So definitely. I, I like that if you're looking for names. Um, and then we have the main event, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Um, I know I'm jumping to the end of this. Kind of, but I'll bring it back to the front. If I hear Kobe Covington call him Marty one more time, <laughs> one more again, why is Kobe Covington being interviewed? You know why. The man has done nothing to earn a rematch. What? Whatever. Anyway, going back to the fight. So, packed house, the intensity is rocking. Um, Masvidal said, you know, it was just foot stomps the first time. And this is going to be a wrestling match. Usman has no power. All this stuff. Usman said, okay. We get into this fight. First round. First round, I thought Kamaru had the advantage. You know, days Jorge a little bit. But Jorge comes back. Uh, Kamaru takes him down. Jorge does a great job with defense on the ground and wrestling. Which you can tell, like, Jorge really worked on his wrestling for this. 
is able to get up, get his back against the cage, stand up again, create some distance. It gets out of the first round. I think a clear Kamaru round. Then we go to the second and last a minute and two seconds because I think even Jorge knew he was in trouble. The, the telltale sign in, in combat sports is if someone hits you or almost hits you and you laugh or smile at them, oh, you, you, know, you know something is wrong. And there's the point where Kamal throws the one-two. He just throws the blinding jab because he wasn't throwing strong jabs tonight. Like, I think it was the strong jab that we saw in the Gilbert Burns fight that really helped him through the fight. This was just a flash jab to get the attention. And he throws the right hand. He hits Jorge Masvidal in the chest. And Jorge laughs at him and smiles. 13 seconds after Jorge is face down on the canvas. Because at that point, Kamara was like, I got it. I got the range. And Jorge smiled because he was like, fuck, I think he got the range. And then Kamara does the same thing, just a flash jab to just distract him, ends up landing on left mitt, and he gets the timing perfect. And this time, the right hand comes overhand right, right on the jaw. Jorge Masvidal's head looked like it was going to come off his body and land in the fourth row in Tom Brady's lap. And Tom was going to have to fucking take it like a shotgun snap and throw it back into the octagon. It looked that hard when he got punched and his chin touched his shoulder and it looks crazy. The images from it are amazing. And it was a one hit a quarter. There was some follow-up punches um, that were super necessary. If you ask Kamaru Usman after Jorge was on the floor, but for all purposes, it was over. And Usman's reign of terror continues. I mean, I don't know who you talk about. I don't know who beats who beats Rose. I don't know who beats this guy. Yeah, it's so scary. Um, I'm gonna read something. God did not bless him with the manhood where he can eliminate another man with his fist. It must be shit to live with. Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, y'all know my beef with Jorge Masvidal. Me and Masvidal had it out around Martin Luther King Day in January, going back and forth. And it wasn't just really him. I thought, I think, pretty sure it was Abe Kawa, his manager. And yeah, fuck him. But then I consider that Usman is the magnet killer. He's crossed Colby Covington, and now he's beat Jorge Masvidal twice. That's fantastic. What I really need to talk about is this fight. When I picked this fight, I picked Usman to win because I said, look, Masvidal's really not that good, if you really think about it. He's never beat a top five welterweight. He beat Ben Askren, who got knocked out by Jake Paul. He beat Darren Till, who's now a middleweight. And he beat Nate Diaz, who has never really beat anybody. Other than that, Masvidal hasn't really beat anybody. He's still a dangerous striker, but he hasn't really beat anybody. So when Masvidal got beat the first time and his excuses were the sixth day, I was like, none of this shit matters. Usman's just a better fighter. He's going to wrestle him is going to defeat him with ground to pound. And I think he'll win a five-round decision. That shit didn't happen. Usman came out here to prove his point that he is arguably the best fighter in the world. And what he did to Masvidal with the strikes, with the wrestling, he's, look, man, 
If anybody saw my body numbers that I did on Sporting News, Usman has never been outstruck in a single fight. People forget he has not lost since he came into the UFC. He's not lost. He's never been outstruck in a single fight. You know what his takedown uh, defense percentage is? A hundred. He's never been taken down in a single UFC fight. Never. Never. He's never been outstruck. He's never been taken down. He's never had a split decision. He's never really been in trouble. Colby Covington might have been the most, it definitely was the most he was ever hit. No, no, no. Gilbert Burns rocked him. It no, was, but I'm saying that Colby was trouble. Colby hit him the most. Yes. But Gilbert Burns almost turned the lights out. Yeah. But even still, Kamara's got a big ass head. He just takes them shots and he comes he back. So you look at Kamara Usman's career in the UFC, unbeaten, pretty much indestructible. He doesn't really lose rounds, he's never been taken down. And now you go. How fucking good is he? He's number two pound for pound in the world. Undeniable. There's nobody other than John Jones who's better than him. And even then, he's got... If it wasn't for uh, Jorge Masvidal being essentially a glorified journeyman, he could be number one. John Jones hasn't been very active. Yeah, Gilbert Burns was not a journeyman, though. No, not at all. Gilbert Burns was not a journeyman. Tyron Woodley was not a journeyman. Yeah, Gilbert Burns was two months ago, by the way. Yeah, Colby Covington. Two months. Colby Covington, as much shit as we give him, he's a good fighter. And he got his jaw broke. The only person that's really left is Leon Edwards. But guess what? Kamaru already beat him too. Yep. Early this UFC run. The only person that's really left that he hasn't beat is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Which stylistically would be quite interesting. But Woodley has shown that if the light right hand lands, shit gets problematic. Right. And again, Usman's never been taken down. You look at the makeup of that division, because the only people that are really left that Usman hasn't touched yet are Wonderboy, Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa. I don't think any of them can beat Usman. A very healthy command. Yeah. That's a little and, bit in the distance, but not that far, to be honest. I mean, we shall see. Um, you know, and Leon Edwards is still hanging around. He's fighting Nate Diaz, which is kind of weird, but they keep doing this Leon, whatever. But this knockout, people forget. Masvidal's never been knocked out. The last time he was submitted is one I'll never forget, which was Toby Yamada in Bellator with an inverted triangle. Yeah, was it 2009? Yeah. Yes. 12 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Since then... Masvidal has been the king of losing a split decision. He's lost a lot of close fights. He could have a much better record, and he's never been stopped. It's pretty fucking good. He's yeah. not great. He's not bad. He's not bad. And Usman knocked him out. Knocked him in, like, just obliterated him with that right hand. Is, is Usman the top? Is Usman the top welterweight? Of all time? Yeah. Not yet. Of all time. Close. Not yet. GSP Yeah, GSP is still better because of the tenure, the reign. Like, you got to do this for a sustained period of time. And that's what GSP did. GSP was dominant for a long time. Got knocked out, I believe, um, to lose the title. Came back, won the title. Really close with Big Rig. Yeah. Retired after that. It's It's... The, the, only pro, the only reason why I say this is because MMA is very weird because the media and the fans get really quick to say who's the greatest of all time in the midst of their run. So it's like when 
uh, Tyron Woodley was having his run. Greatest. Robbie Lawler was having his run. It's greatest. You know, you go, you start running down the list. Like you start naming names of uh, Jose Aldo, Hennon Burrell, yeah. uh, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz. In the midst of the run, when you call them the greatest, guess what usually happens? They fucking lose. Fabricio yeah. <laughs> Verdum at one point was the greatest heavyweight of all time. So everybody's like, Fabricio Verdum is the greatest heavyweight of all time. And Stephen Miocic just put his lights out. And Stephen Miocic was the greatest heavyweight of all time. And then look what Ngannou just did to him. Damn, yeah. Everybody has their day. <laughs> yeah, you have Everyone your day. Everyone has their day. Um, and GSP, GSP lost, came back, and then never really looked back. And then he came back and then moved to middleweight. Granted, it was against Michael Bisping, and then he won another title. But as far as welterweights go, GSP still is the, the gold standard. Unless Usman continues his dominant run for another couple of years, then we can have a conversation. Beating Jorge Masvidal is not going to put him ahead of GSP for me. Not yet. But right now, I think his run is better than Tyron Woodley's run. Oh, I agree. I agree. And uh, by the way, Usman was outstruck by Jorge Masvidal. In this fight? Yes. Yeah. In this fight. And they knocked him out. First time ever by a hefty margin, 56 to 32. Most of those significant strikes came when Masvidal was on the ground after Kamaru yep. took him down and was getting hit by elbows. So Kamaru was in top control. Jorge was on the bottom hitting him with elbows and racked up a ton of significant strikes. And then got knocked. The fuck out. Yeah. I mean, hitting someone from your back isn't necessarily the same thing. So, yeah, interesting fights, um, you know, this past weekend. We have a card coming up this next weekend. It's really like, all right, whatever. Dominic Reyes is fighting. I'm just trying to make sure he's not washed up. So that's that's. Oh, the Dominic crux. Reyes is losing this week. You think he's losing? Oh, yes. Oh, know. yes. Oh, yes. I think he is. Abs- yes. Have you seen this man striking? His striking is good. I mean, I really only saw him piece up Ozdemir. Just if you get the time, and everybody listening, if you get the time, watch this man striking outside of the USC. Okay, outside of the Ozdemir fight. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he completely wrecked Ozdemir. But just watch what he does. And then tell me, oh, I feel comfortable with Dominic Reyes. Because remember, Dominic Reyes just got blitzed by Jan Blakovich. He's probably going to get annihilated again. He's a little punch drunk. Like this, this is definitely one of those where it's like, oh, is it a wrap for you? And he pushed John Jones to the edge. He people did. thought he won. He did. And a lot of people did think he won. I didn't think he won, but a lot of people thought he won. Just makes you wonder about John. So, which brings me to another thing, because we're not going to, we don't need to predict that card outside of the main no, 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 by no means. Because I'm, I'm just looking at his fights not- now. King Mo is the last person to beat Prochaska. Knocked yeah. him out. Yeah. Wow. And that, that was a while ago. And that was when King Mo was really oh, on his game. Yeah, that was like was 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, like this card is like Cub Swanson and Giga Chikadezi and Ian Kudalaba and Dustin Jacoby. It's an all right card. But what I really want to talk about is Dana White, before we go to break, Dana White says, oh, we're doing um, Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou because John Jones wants $30 million. And John Jones was like, <laughs> That's fucking $30 million. Fuck you talking about. I don't know who you're talking to. There is a I don't I don't know if and when we'll see John Jones fight again. We're gonna see him fight. I mean 
yes, they're just going to call his bluff until his number gets somewhere they're comfortable with. I don't know where that's at. I don't think I don't think John asked for thirty million. I really I don't, don't think so either. And I think Dana trying to make this public as a play and it's not a good one because regardless of what you say, no, John Jones is not a Conor McGregor draw. But a John Jones Francis Ngannou fight is box office. People want to see that. Pay this man some kind of money. Why are y'all still doing this shit? Posturing in the media ain't it because. You know, a lot of us don't really agree with Dana in his positioning on this. Like, yeah, look, man, Derek Lewis has been great. But even Derek Lewis is probably sitting there going, I don't really deserve this fight because Derek Lewis is a very honest guy. And he's probably like, yo, let John Jones fight and I'll fight the winner. Yep. This is bizarre, man. Like, I can't foresee John Jones coming to the table like, I want. I've never been paid, I don't think, over $5 million for a fight. I'm talking about discretionary bonuses, all that shit. But now I want 30 million. I just don't, I don't think that's what John's coming to the table with. 10, maybe. But I think this is a $10 million fight. Look, the UFC makes money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. They can afford to pay John and Francis for this fight. Francis don't care. He just got the title. He's chilling. He's like, oh, I'll take 2 million. I'm good. John's like, yo, I've been running this shit for years. I am the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. Pay me. But I don't think that that thirty million figure mm, kind of ridiculous. And yeah, let's be no, honest, sounds crazy. Who, who really is sitting there going, "I can't wait to see Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis"? Ain't nobody doing that. It's a fight we want to see, but that first fight was terrible. We were there for it. I was miserable. John and Francis. I feel like if Dana just pays this man like ten million to do this fight, and John gets knocked out, he's out of your hair. Because it, it could happen. Yeah, definitely. But if John wins, your belt is tied up and you're in a pickle. Hey, I mean, look, man, you pay Connor how much? So Connor has a lot of pay per views. He does. <laughs> a lot he of pay per The return on investment's a little different. I, I won't take it. I can't take anything away from Connor, except for the dumb shit he said on Twitter where Usman's like aping his style. It's like, man, you can't knock out a lightweight. You think you're going to knock out Usman? Usman would destroy Connor. But at any rate, Connor like still sees. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I need Connor to win a fight. But at any rate, John Jones is deserving of getting paid. And he may not be the draw that Connor is, but to fight in Ghana was a big fight. And I, I don't like Dana shitting on his fighters in public. I think it's a terrible thing to do. That's, who, that's his brand. That's who he is. It's going to be interesting. Stuff is getting interesting in the UFC. A lot of stuff is contingent on Conor winning in July. Because if Conor doesn't win in July, we might be talking about Conor versus... Jake Paul and Jake Triller. Paul. So, I'm calling it. listen, man, that does 2 million pay-per-view buys. No bet. Easy. Easy. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, damn it. 3 million? No, I'm not going to work myself into a bet. Don't, don't <laughs> work yourself into a shoot. Hey, look, I'm just, just going to let it Paul. go. Jake Paul is living rent-free in everybody's head. The fact that fans were yelling, fuck Jake Paul and chanting this at a fight, it's like he's not even an MMA fighter. Daniel Cormier getting in his face. He's calling out DC. He's the big money ticket. He is the new red panty knight. He really is. Mama, I made it. Like, that is Jake Paul now. I I don't understand. Why why, why do y'all hate Jake Paul? Because Jake Paul, again, he's not – this is not Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. 
this is Jake Paul fighting like other people that mm-hmm. he should be. He's not, he's not like like Floyd Mayweather is robbing the bank. If he really ends up fighting Logan Paul, with it, if it's June 5th or 6th, whatever day they end up with, that's robbing the bank. Jake Paul is actually still fighting people. Why y'all mad at him? Leave the man alone. Yeah, ridiculous. Let him make his bread. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, let's hit the break. When we come back, we're going to end this by talking a little bit of boxing before we get out of here. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back. It is the home stretch. We're here to talk boxing. Real quick, just a couple of things to mention from last weekend in the boxing world. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but the July 9th fight, between Fortuna and Ryan Garcia is uh, no longer. Ryan Garcia decided to withdraw from the fight, saying he just has to get his health in order and take some time away so he can come back as the 100% version of Ryan Garcia we are used to seeing. I commend him for doing that. The comment sections on this online makes me sick. Some people duck in boxing. Some people don't fight the best. This isn't that case. Nah, man. I, look, if, if that's what he's got to deal with and he's got to take a break, look, more power to him. You know, we we sit there and we complain or a lot of us, you know, or we feed into or we exploit a major and Broner, who also has some mental health issues. Yes, yes. And, you know, and we, we you know, we make it a sport to shit on Adrian Broner because the man, he needs help and he refuses to get it. But when Ryan Garcia says, look, man, I'm going to take a break get myself together and I'm going to fight when I'm ready. We get mad? Come on, man. Stop. Y'all got to relax. There's more than enough boxing. Chill out. Let the man get himself together. He's clearly one of the, the, the biggest stars in the sport. He's young. It's okay. It is okay. Just hopefully this is not something that's long-term that's going to affect his entire career. Hopefully this is something short, something he can deal with, Whatever it is, because it's not like he explicitly said it's mental health or no. whatever it was. He just said he needed to get himself back in order. So whatever it is, if you got to pull out, let him pull out. Just y'all, y'all are wild on social media. Y'all just be talking shit about people like no wow. damn reason. For real, it's crazy. Yeah, wild. So best of you know wishes him and getting healthy. Um, if it is mental health, he's been very open about his challenges with anxiety and so forth. So. You know what? Take whatever time you need. He's young. Boxing ain't going nowhere. You know, mental health is, you know, people who struggle with mental health. That's a a lifelong journey and process. So if he needs time, go take time. The boxing game will be here. He's still going to be a major star. There's no rush. You can come back when you're healthy. He has has a a baby girl, um, two kids now, I believe, but just had a baby girl. Like, listen, be healthy. 
It's about you and your fam. The money will be there. No, no rush. Um, we had fights though this past weekend. Uh, Navarrete, Navarrete was on ESPN against Pitufo Diaz, and that was one hell of a show. Um, starting out with Edgar Berlanga, the streak ends. It ends at 16 first round knockouts to start his career. This one actually goes the distance in this fight. And I was more impressed with this one than probably all of the 16 first round knockouts. Were you? I was. Um, he showed that he had to, one, he knocked the guy down four, five times. <laughs> so the, the power is still there, tough opponent but he could still land his shots. Did he land the overwhelming knockout blow? No, a couple of the times he dropped them, there was like eight seconds left. So barely saved by the bell in like three of the rounds, including the last and final round, saved by the bell. So those could have been knockouts, but I thought the stamina was there and I thought he had to show toughness at times because he was getting hit. You're, you're always saying like, oh, I need to see if this guy can take a punch. Well, he took a punch, a lot of punches, the defense could tighten up, but when you, you take some to give some, he was on the winning end of all of those. So I have two things. Like, one, when the knockout streak ended, I felt like that's actually good for Belonga because this is unsustainable. Yeah. You can't keep this shit up forever. And, you know, if the longer it goes, the more pressure it becomes, and that's the competition steps up, and then you're more likely to make a mistake against an elite opponent in the first round and get clipped and knocked out. So get this out of the way now. Like, I'm not knocking everybody on the first round. I can show you I can go rounds. Thought that was great. I have an issue, though. Belonga gets hit a lot. Yes, he does. And Nicholson is not an opponent who has not been knocked out before. He doesn't have great punch resistance. And the fact that he was able to get to Belonga as much as he did it's not concerning in the sense where I go, ah, oh, he's not as good as advertised. It's more so to say, slow down. And not, not his promoter, fans. People yeah. like, yeah, he should fight Can Canelo. No, no, he's not even close to that level yet. No. He's, he's 23 close. and on yeah. the pace of a traditional 23-year-old. Like, I understand some 23-year-olds now are Teofimo, they're Devin Haney, um, which Devin Haney is really getting to step up in competition, if we're being honest. He has the titles, but those are vacated. So we, we have Shakur Stevens. Yes, we have young fighters, Tank Davis, going up there and grabbing belts and, and, and wanting to be really great at a really young age. But that's not the norm. That is that is a new thing. Like before, you just step up and, and you work your way up. And then at 28, 29, you're really hitting your stride and grabbing belts. People like Canelo was fighting Floyd at 23. Why can't he fight Canelo at 23? It's not the same. That's not it's the not. norm. That is not the norm. It's not. So when I see people saying, oh, you know, some people saying, oh, he's not that good. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that he made me step it up. And for the other people saying like, oh, you know, this is great that he went the distance. I'm also on the thing like, mm, Nicholson, not, not the opponent you should have went eight rounds with. Uh, I don't know if it would have went nine. How about that? I don't know why one. I don't know why it was an eight round fight. Like he should be fighting ten rounders. Uh, that is something I, I would give an honest critique. Like, yeah, like he should be fighting ten rounders. Like that's my honest opinion. He's seventeen fights in. You're still fighting an eight round fight. Like what the hell are we doing? You're a full fledged pro. Like fight ten, get ready for twelve. Uh, I don't care if you never make it out of first round. Like you should be fighting ten. 
And I, I don't know if it would have went nine. I mean, you got dropped five times in eight rounds. You're pretty productive. Yeah, it's just a matter of, again, Nicholson, an opponent, they touted him as having 20 knockouts in his 23 wins. But his three losses, if I remember correctly, are all by knockout. Yes, and all but against, all seven rounds and later? But what I'm saying is they're against lesser opponents, much lesser. So Berlanger going the distance is good if he needs rounds, of course. Yeah. But we have to be – they have to be careful about – it's good because hopefully they pull back a little bit and say, all right, cool, we can match them up properly and move them. The smart fight to make before the end of the year is probably Gabe Rosado. Spice Which is a pro- tough one. <laughs> That's, it is. Because, I mean, we just saw what Gabe – Gabe arguably just beat Danny Jacobs. Yeah. and, like, and <laughs> That's – it's crazy. Gabe is always litmus test. He was litmus test for Triple G. He was litmus test for a lot of fighters. So oh, yeah. it's the it's a smart fight to make. Is it the next fight to make? No. Rolanda still needs work. It's good to see him getting more rounds in. Yep. I, Nicholson's punch resistance is a little concerning. I mean, Nicholson obviously at a certain point was like, I'm just trying to survive. But he was hitting them. And that can, and that makes me wonder, like, mm, you need to tighten up that defense. Yeah. But either way, he goes the distance. He wins a unanimous decision. He should be back for June for Puerto Rican Day Parade. Is that the so? Point right now? I mean, we're internally on hold <laughs> with, with that. Um, we don't know what the protocols are in New York. So the aim was to do that at MSG. Um, Coppinger has reported that the fight probably moves to Vegas. So I just know internally we're at a hold. But if it's in Vegas. I don't think he should rush back for June, personally. I mean, um, he doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. But why take, like, a quick, another quicker, maybe even easier fight to fight on a June card if it's not in New York, you know? Yeah. Like, the purpose is being New York, Puerto Rican Day weekend, Puerto Rican Day parade. If it's not in New York, let Shakur do his thing as the headliner, and then you go and just sharpen the tools, get back at it, even if Gabe Rosado isn't next, which he probably could be, but if he's not next, I, I think to me, I would hold him out. And this is no inside info or nothing. I would hold him out and try to get him on the undercard of Fury versus Joshua. It looks like Fury versus Joshua is at least moving along in that pace. Um, and if he only has to wait until the end of July, it's three months I would tell him to sharpen the tools. I want to put you on that card. And there's there's people internally for him to fight in that division. Yeah, definitely. But I'm just I'm kind of relieved that he has to deal with that cloud of first round knockout streak because it gets ridiculous after a while. So yeah, good does. for him. And you know, go back to the, the drawing board, tighten up that defense, and he'll be fine. Yep, I agree. And then um Andy Ruiz. Oh, I guess Navarrete in the main event. Can't just skip the main event. Um, beat uh, Pitufo Diaz, Christopher Pitufo Diaz. And, I mean, Navarrete looks good at 126. And the question now is, people are like, oh, should he move up to 130? Like, he just got there, by the way. It's like his second fight at 126 from moving up from 122. There's a lot of good fighters at 126. I just don't know if there's any ones that are willing to fight him. Yeah, he, he's... He's crafty with his pressure. I mean, he looked yeah. good in this fight. 12 rounds, gets a late stoppage. Uh, look, just chill out. 
again, moving up in weight, man, he just got here. Let the man live, man. And, you know, if somebody's going to fight him, you know, people are like, hey, Gary Russell. And I was like, yeah, all right, Groundhog Day. We'll see when that man fights again. But Yeah, everything's across the street, one of the streets. Yeah. And he's a tough guy to talk one of the other promotions into putting your champion in the ring with. Not exactly. It's not a fight that, you know, other promoters say, well, that's a winnable fight. No, it's a hell fight. And it's not a fight that you necessarily want. So Lafayette is a great fighter. Uh, we'll see how good he gets to be. But this was an impressive performance. It just showed, like, he's tough, man. He's tough. He throws a lot of punches. He's busy. He's crafty. He's got a good chin. He's got all the tools. I don't know who wants to fight him. Most, yes. I don't think most people do. It's going to be a little rough on their opponent for him. Um, and then two fights coming up this next weekend. Uh, first one on the zone during the day, we have uh, Katie Taylor versus Natasha Jonas, which is going to be a good fight. Love when Katie Taylor fights. Um, I'm taking Katie. Hopefully this is finally the one that we get Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor fight. Hopefully. I would hope so. We'll next, see. fingers crossed, maybe. Hey, <laughs> hopefully. who knows? Um, Natasha Jonas is a pretty good fighter, uh, but Katie Taylor is the class of that division. Yeah, so Katie Taylor does get hit a lot, though, so he that does. should be entertaining. Uh, Chris Eubanks Jr. on this card. That should yes. be fun. Another, talking about a guy with promising potential. Like I like Chris Eubanks Jr. Um, then we have Dimitri Bivol, defending his WBA light heavyweight title. This is significant because it is, you know, a title offense against a mandatory, and hopefully we're creeping towards a fight between him and better BF. Yeah. That's what Which, we all want. Yes. is the fight we all want. So that um, hopefully will get done around November, December. Cause now it looks like better BF is going after another title. Joe Smith jr. Just picked up. Yeah. Easy to make in top rank, but Bivol, I just want to see him stay impressive, get the knockout. Let's keep it rolling. And then we have Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker, 12 round fight. Listen, man, Chisora kind of looked good the last fight, even though he lost. I mean, against Usyk. I mean, I picked Joseph Parker to win a decision. Chisora yeah. is always going to come to fight. He's kind of like the Gabe Rosado of the heavyweight division. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's going to come to fight. If you're a better boxer, you can beat him. But if you fall asleep at the wheel, he's going to stop you. Joseph Parker should be on this game. Uh, he needs this win pretty bad. Chisora is always going to be around for heavyweights to fight. So I'm picking Joseph Parker. I'm going to take Joseph Parker too, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. It's not going to be a, a runaway fight. Like you said, Derek Tussauds is always here to, to bring it. And he's always a tough test. And then we have uh, at night, Andy Ruiz Fox pay-per-view. This is ridiculous. From Carson, California, StubHub. I don't know what it's called now. So digital health center. Digital House, congrats. That's the opposite of what Slug, Slug Hub was back in the day. There was nothing healthy about fighting in there. Someone's getting their block knocked off. So in this one, heavy mixing card, which is great. It's the week before single de Mayo. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm buying the fight. Uh, I work in the profession. I'm sure I'll get the fight. But the card's not that bad. Adrian Granados, I really like watching him fight. Um, you have Omar Figueroa Jr. There's Abel Ramos. Not a bad fight right there. Arislandi, Arislandi Lara on this for the vacant WBA regular middleweight title, which is crazy. Like, Lara's moving up. And this is new look Lara, where he just wants to get in Slugfest. 
Well, he can't move like he used to, so he has to fight. Yeah, so I like that. Fundora is on this. All right, good little co-main. And then, of course, the main event, Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola. New look Andy. Slim and trim Andy compared to the old Andy. Um, man, I, I, I think he's going to knock Ariola out in two rounds. I, I have so much faith in Team Canelo that I think we're going to see the best version of Andy Ruiz we've ever seen. Like Reynoso and, and Chepo, like they're just so good and he's dedicated. I, I think, I think he's going to put on the show. I hope so. Uh, like I so, told you all last week, uh, if you're buying this pay-per-view, you're buying this pay-per-view to see Andy Ruiz with his shirt off because <laughs> there's really no other reason to pay all this money for a car that should be on like Showtime. Nevertheless, Ruiz is going to stop Ariola. He looks in great shape. He's around 250 now instead of being 280. Listen, I was in Saudi Arabia for the Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz fight. And Andy Ruiz just ate all week. He didn't take his shirt off at weigh-ins like a, like a, a young me about to go to the pool. Dog. I used he, to be in the pool, full, full shirt on. It's a damn shame. He, he was not. Like he let that that win get to his head. He thought he could just knock him out, but he was big as hell. So seeing smaller is what you're paying for. It's like, hey, let's see Andy Ruiz's shirt off. Fifty nine dollars, whatever the fuck the pay per view price is. That's but crazy. he's gonna stop. He's gonna stop Ariel. I don't know who'll be in the second round. Ruiz is a little bit of a slower worker. Uh, Ariola is gonna come to fight, but I think it'll be a fun fight. It just ain't worth my pay per view money. And yes, Omar Figueroa is on the card. Granados is on the card. This is a good card. Fortunately, I work in a business where I don't pay for pay-per-views anymore, so I'm going to enjoy this card. But I can't tell anybody with a bunch of money – well, not even a bunch – with money in their pocket, like, you should absolutely buy this. I'm not telling anybody that. This is not a must-buy pay-per-view. It's a I good mean, card, though. You buy this if you say, on the 8th, I should be paying for a Canelo pay-per-view anyway. So, you know what? I'll just throw my money at this. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way to see it, because otherwise, like, I can't make sense out of this being a pay-per-view. I don't get it. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, no. Nah. So it'll be interesting. We're both picking Andrew Weiss to win by knockout. So tons of stuff to recap next week. That's our show for today, though. So we want to thank all of you guys for listening. Another good combat sports show. We have pro wrestling coming up later in the week. Got to talk about this impact main event. Kenny Omega, the belt collector. Ooh, it's going to be a good wrestling show later in the week. Until then, though, this has been a long one. We'll keep the outro short. Make sure you guys stay safe. Stay Rona-free. Yes, it's still a thing, even though we just saw 15,000 people at a USC event with no mask on. So please stay healthy. Keep listening to us every week. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. We got Mega Ran on the new episode. Very fun, very fun show this week. And you can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Make sure you follow me at Kel Dansby, him and Andreas Hale on all platforms. Until next time, though, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.